Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Leeds Library, the Leeds Library's podcast series in which we talk to members of our extended community about their lives, their work, and their relationship to books, libraries, and literature. Founded in 1768, the Leeds Library is the oldest surviving subscription library in the UK, and throughout this series we'll also be diving periodically into the library's rich history to find out what makes us and our members one of the most interesting and unique cultural institutions in Leeds and the UK. I'm Molly McGrath, the project's assistant at the Leeds Library, and today our guest is the Leeds Library's assistant librarian, Anna Goodrich. Anna has been working at the Leeds Library for 20 years, so she knows the collections and the archives inside out. But aside from her expert knowledge of libraries and books, Anna is also an expert in the paranormal. You may or may not have heard about the Leeds Library's resident ghost, but today on Tales from the Leeds Library, we're going to be talking about the story in detail. So, Anna, thank you for coming on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Firstly, before we start talking about the paranormal, I want to ask you a little bit just about yourself and how you came to work as an assistant librarian at the Leeds Library. Well, back in the midst of time, about 20 years ago, um, after I finished university, I was looking for a job and I landed here. Um, And I have to say, being a librarian is not something that I thought I wanted to do, but I was lucky enough to find this fantastic library with all the historical resources, the wonderful books, the wonderful people and I've been here ever since so I then took my Masters in Information Studies and yeah that's the... Did you, you did your first degree in archaeology is that? I did yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. hence the love of history. I feel like that feeds into kind of a librarian role really doesn't it? It kind does of, yeah. Yeah that kind of historical kind of you said on the the, I, the, the talk that I watched um, mm. that you did the other day that you like fell down a librarian's rabbit hole. Yes <laughs> yes I suppose I did because there's just so many things here to capture your interest and, and just make you just want to go find out about this and go find out about that and why is that here so yeah yeah it sounds very archaeological yes yeah, i'm <laughs> digging layers but with books yeah <laughs> um and then well i guess how did you become interested in the paranormal as well is, is more well i've question. always been interested in the paranormal uh, ever since i was little i used to write little books about it which are called the ghosty ghoulie books and they get tranched out every so often for people to laugh at them because the spelling was I don't have a copy here. (laughs) Should get one in stock. (laughs) They were illustrated by myself and written my very bad um, uh, spelling um, and we all have a giggle over them but I've always been interested. I was thinking about this, it's probably when my granddad died when I was about six Mm. and he used to be convinced that he haunted my nan's house. Uh, There was no reason for me to do that apart from the fact that I was only little. and I just thought that he did, so I used to be scared to go upstairs, which is probably around about the time I started writing the books. Um, But I went down the route, I had loads of books on ghosts, I was obsessed with haunted castles and houses and all that sort of stuff. Um, And then when the sort of TV programmes started to come along, not most haunted, I I never really got into that. (laughs) I just want to get that out there. Um, (laughs) My my main one was um, Ghost Hunters, and it's because they investigated in a slightly more scientific manner. So instead of going, Ooh, there's a noise and screaming and running away. It was like, ooh, there's a noise. What could cause it? It doesn't have to be paranormal. And mm. as although I'm interested in in experiencing the paranormal and finding out some answers, just because you've heard a noise doesn't mean to say it's a ghost. And, yeah. and that's the main thing I think. The kind of the investigation, the kind of meticulous kind of yes. looking for evidence and clues sounds yeah what is kind of maybe part of the enjoyable aspect of it. It is, there's two for me because I do like doing that but then there's also that element of chasing the personal experience because Mm. personal experience can't always be documented and you certainly couldn't use it as evidence. Mm. Um, Like for example I once heard a disembodied voice and I had nothing to record it but three of us heard it Mm. um, and I was like wow Um, and I didn't scream and run away, I was more like wow Um, and it's things like that that keep you doing it because you kind of got, is that am I ever going to hear that again or something similar or you know and yeah yeah and um so well did you know about the the Leeds Library ghost before you started working here I didn't Mm. um and it was a bit of a legend but 
to be honest, it was never the library ghost story that bothered me. It was always the basement here that used to bother me. I was yeah. very scared <laughs> of the basement. Um, I used to run down there and run back up, and if I could get somebody to go down with me, I would. Um, yes. It is creepy. Actually, this morning, um, the light in this office was flickering was it? <laughs> when I came in, and I knew we were going to record this podcast. I was like, ooh. It knew. Um <laughs> So the ghost story is one of the better known stories about the Leeds Library mm-hmm. um, and it starts out with the, the seventh librarian here, um, John Young Walker McAllister, I think, yeah. um, alone in the library one evening. Can you tell us what happens next? Can you tell us the ghost story? I can. Do you want me to do it with my embellishments? So <laughs> he's working in the office and he realises it's it's really, really late and he's going to miss his train. So he gets up goes towards so from the librarian's office through the little passageway where we've got our picture of the ghost towards the main room and then he hears well he doesn't doesn't hear a noise should i say he sees something and so thinking it's an intruder he runs back to the librarian's office to get his gun from the safe and then he comes back and then sees this figure peering out of the the bookshelves as if that's how it's described and he shouts for assistance hoping to attract a policeman um, one clearly doesn't come because that's not documented um, and then he gives chase and this thing, figure sort of shambles off into the gents toilet uh, the gents toilet is still in the same spot today um, so he chases it in there but there's nothing to be seen um, he's gone he thinks maybe it could have escaped out of the window because um, there used to be a window in there but when he peers out there's nothing there and then the next day he's telling this story to Reverend Charles Hargrove and he goes that description that's Sternberg and Sternberg was the chap who was the librarian before McAllister who died whilst he was still librarian in the library mm. not, no so he didn't die in the library <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify that that made it sound like he died in the library didn't as far as we know no one has died in the library as far as we know nobody has ever died in the library okay well that's a good thing and let's surely. hope to keep it that yeah way. let's hope to keep it that way um and we, we were talking about um uh what we're going to talk about and and um thomas vincent sternberg the living as opposed yeah. to the dead um often gets a bit glossed over because of the ghost story yeah. um but he was he was kind of an interesting man in his own right um and the second i think you said it's the second person to use the word folklore in print yes um which is really interesting so yeah, and he was so he was the librarian here for for twenty seven years yes. before he died. Can you tell me a bit more about him? So yeah, and I think it's it's a shame that Sternberg gets glossed over so much, just as the shambling ghost that disappears into the gents' toilets. Because, um, so as a young man in his twenties and be, be, well before he came to the library, he wrote a book um, on the folklore of Northamptonshire, which we finally have a copy in the library. Mm. That. Um, no, it's not that one, is it? It's this little one here, um, and it was published in 1851. And he does a glossary of dialectic terms, and then at the back of it, there is um, just little snippets of folklore from the area. Um, and he is the first, sorry, the second person to use the word folklore with a little hyphen in it. Um, the other one being somebody called Thomas Mann, I think it was. Mm. It's not really my area, it is folklore. Um, but I just think it's really interesting because it, it apparently went on to be you know, republished, so it did enjoy mm. some success in the time. And he also used to write for Notes and Queries. So uh, Notes and Queries, is, again, we have in the library. Um, and I do keep meaning to go check the references here. He used to write in there uh, about folklore as well. So okay, and he was um, he wore a wig, did he? He was he, was he wore bald. a wig, according to um, some little testimonies we've got in the archives. Uh, children at the time um, remember coming in and tugging on his wig, which tends to suggest he was either bald or balding mm. uh, enough to warrant wearing a wig, because I don't think wigs were really that popular at the time really yeah so yeah. but the um the the ghost that McAllister saw was was bald I think bald, that was yes, one of the and, things and, uh, that, that the descriptions matched yes um so yeah and then also I, I after after Sternberg died there were found to be some discrepancies in the library finances I think yeah so it, it the suggestion was that he was um something to do with the shares he was he was taking money for the shares but not you know then allocating the shares and the, mm. there was money and then he wasn't paying um 
you know, he was getting the money to pay so the booksellers uh, for the books he was buying, but then hadn't paid them. Oh, okay. Um, and it was it was something to do with that. Why after he died, because he must have had charge of everything and nobody kept an eye on it. Yeah. And then he died and nobody could ask him anything because nobody knew anything. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's but he, part he, of was, the he was he was sort of investigated around. and it was it was implied it. He'd sort of been really up to no good with those finances. And yeah. again, that sort of overshadows him. Because yeah. I will say, he did write, he was the first one to write a history of the library as well. Oh. Which we, we have, I've, there's a facsimile copy here, but we've got original one in the in the archive. So he was the first one to actually document the early years of the Leeds yeah. Library. So Yeah. So I suppose that's quite a good, a useful document for you as well, because you, you yeah. look at the archives, you work quite a lot with the archives yeah. here as well. How is it different from the the kind of later histories of the library? Is it? A, a kind Do you know? Of I was re I was reading through it today because mm. I thought it. I knew about it because I always go to Beckwith's um, history of the library because it, it sort of brings it up to the sixties. So I always usually go to that one, um, and it's 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 not so badly written actually. I was yeah. quite surprised. I don't know what I was expecting, but yeah, it's not in great detail, but it's, it's you know, good enough. Yeah, so. and and Beckwith's history was uh, Frank Beckwith, who was another librarian. Another here. librarian, and that is very detailed. Yeah. Uh, very full of facts and very useful if you want to check anything yeah, up to yeah, 1968. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a copy actually up here with the, the 250 book and yeah. I'm, I'm they're like my Bible. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my nose is always in them. Um, and there, so th th this is obviously the kind of the more well-known ghost story um, yeah. or ghost sighting in the library, but there are actually two instances of ghost sightings. Um, and the second one took place a bit later, is that right? Uh, so yeah, it took place a little later. So when the original haunting happened, apparently McAllister didn't tell anybody uh, apart from Hargrove and they decided to keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. They didn't want people knowing about it and um, getting scared or the story getting out and any kind of like scandal you know keep it quiet don't tell anyone um so apparently that was the case but then um there was a couple of assistants who were working in the library again till late there's a theme here um and the second sort of phenomena took place in the room where we're sat at the moment mm -hmm. um so, so we're in the the smoke room at the moment which yeah. is the upstairs old smoking room where a gentleman used room, to come yeah. and smoke and there's yeah. some holes in the ceiling for the the smoke to escape but it's yes. it's now an office <laughs> there's now an office no smoking in here now um and so they were working late now they'd come in here switched off the gas lights obviously turned everything off uh, and we're going to leave now one apparently was still on the gallery uh, and one was down on the ground floor um and at that time there wasn't the staircase at this end near the smoke room so there was just the staircase at the far end so to go back you had to go right back to the far end of the gallery and then down the stairs. Mm -hmm. Now apparently it just sort of was heading away from the smoke room and then this light appeared um, which according to the testimony the one on the gallery couldn't see but the one down on the ground could see quite clearly. Mm -hmm. um, and so he comes running back in to check what's left on, you know, switched everything off, gets in, lights go out and, and that's sort of the sort of second thing i mean it's never really explained what they think it might be yeah. or but it's it was to do with the gas lights um and that one intrigues me um because that the this room was investigated later on by joe cooper mm -hmm. who was a library member he wrote the book uh, on the cottingley fairies which they oh, turned okay. into the film yeah um and he was an interesting character he investigated he spent the night in this room um and apparently nothing happened because yeah. there's a theme with our ghost stories here, you know, they, they, things happen once and then are never repeated. Yeah. yeah. The Cottingley fairies is that um, uh, photographs of fairies it that is, were, yes. they were, they were faked, I think. Yes. They were yes. um, just like people dressed up. Um, yeah, like they were really... and just... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, widely believed, like it caused like a sensation. I yeah. think I've heard of this before. Um, well, yeah, actually, so what I wanted to ask next was how this kind of ghost story came to be this legend uh, or, you know, as, as kind of part of the library's history yeah. as it is today, because like you said, it wasn't really mentioned um, at the wasn't. beginning. But I mean, interestingly, it appears in the Society of Psychical Research's Proceedings. Um, and that's one thing that... that really intrigued me how did our little ghost story appear there because 
you know it's it's interesting to us but it's perhaps not that spectacular you know when you think about it something that might get in the society for psychical research proceedings mm. you know i'm not downplaying our ghost story because i love it but um but it turns out that the chap who wrote the article knew McAllister. okay so even though they'd all sworn each other to secrecy never mm. to talk about it um outside of the library um somebody must have have told it's it who was it that wrote his article i should know off the top of my head um but the the chap he he obviously knew him now McAllister was down in london at that point so i don't know whether they knew each other because mm. they went in the same circles maybe were at the same clubs and all that kind of thing but they knew each other so he'd obviously told him that story and then um rowlett and pitt which were the ones the assistants mm -hmm. in the second part they then recounted their story so it appears in the spr but all the names are blocked out okay. uh, and the name of the library isn't revealed um and this appears in the 1908 strand magazine and again it's exactly as it appears in the spr proceedings with all the names taken out um and i thought that the library had because we have the strand magazine and i thought we had acquired it at the time and maybe somebody had recognized the picture because it's mm. a bit similar um but when i was delving into this further it turned out there was an article in the Evening Post in the 1950s. Okay. And that's when it was finally revealed where it was. Oh. So who'd done that bit of deductive, you know, deductive work? I don't yeah. know. Um, the names are supposed to be cunningly disguised and nothing to do with, with the people involved. But Mr. P is Mr. Pitt. Yeah. You know, Mr. R is Rowlett. Um, I can't remember what the Sternberg is is um, not referred to. That one's a mystery, but the other ones, there's actually the letter of the name is used. Yeah. So if you did know roughly about it, then you could probably put two and two together. So in another again, Frank Beckwith, wonderful Frank Beckwith, he would have seen that in the newspaper clippings, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's not actually in one of these boxes of many many boxes of newspaper clippings. Yeah. Somewhere. Um, so yeah so that's how we would have found it because the the strand magazine didn't arrive in the library until the 50s okay. and it was donated in one big block yeah well it's interesting that um that it's still kind of being written about into mm. the in the 1950s and brought up then because yeah. McAllister was librarian in the the late 1800s i think was he so he was from 1880 and then he moved on in 1887 so yeah that's when was here. so it's that's quite a long time in the future that it's yes. still kind of being brought up and still yes. being talked about which is interesting and there was something in the 1960s and i, I need to go see if i can find this there some ghost hunters wanted to come and investigate the library then so presumably it was around about the time that Trevor Hall had published his pamphlet. Yeah. Um, and they said, we won't come with anything, we'll just come armed with torches. Yeah. But they weren't allowed in. So Trevor Hall is, um, a, he's quite a controversial figure, I think. And he wrote a pamphlet on the ghost story. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, Trevor? Trevor so Hall. Trevor Hall. So he was a library president um, and he was on the committee for years and years and years and he was also into and wrote about the paranormal and he was a skeptic and the reason he's so controversial is that a lot of his books um basically what he tends to do when he's debunking when he's being skeptical he's he's not necessarily super analytical in the way that you think he is he literally does a character assassination and he he, he comes up with his own ideas which when you sort of look at it but not really particularly based on fact either mm. so um, when I was sort of looking into this uh, and I looked on the um, SPR's website and they've got this little um, bibliography of people to do with the and Trevor Hall's name comes up quite a lot and mostly it's it's basically saying and he was the controversial Trevor Hall and, and his his ideas were later found to not have any basis of truth and that sort of thing <laughs> um but yeah he would write quite yeah he he, he would pull my punches and he, he was yeah there was no evidence and that's the thing for me i mm. think it's it's one thing to sort of go i don't believe this story and, and this is why but not not to just destroy somebody's character yeah and he, so he wrote a pamphlet on the the ghost story he did uh, and he pretty much does the same in that because again when i, I was revisiting so i, I reread the pamphlet with fresh eyes and instead of just going oh this is really interesting this is about the ghost story um because again he, he includes the um passages as they appear in the spr proceedings um he does talk a little bit more about albert edmund's 
little experience, which you can tell you about if you like. Um, but basically, when he's analysing the story, he mm. discredits McAllister, he discredits Rowlett, he discredits um, the author in the SPR proceedings, um, and that's how he discredits the story. And in his, I mean. These, these, I mean, McAllister went on to be knighted. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they're not silly little um, people with silly little ideas. They, yeah. they, and Rowley went on to have a really successful career. Um, so, yeah. It's and just... I suppose there's no way, if he's writing so long after, there's no way of really... Um, obviously, he didn't really talk to these people at no. all, so there's no way that he is kind of able to accurately discredit them either. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons he tries to discredit McAllister is so... Um, there was another um, chap called Alma Edmonds. Yes, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tell so this him. story, although it's it sort of features seances and, and it sounds quite exciting, does sound like it was actually an April Fool's joke, <laughs> um, which is quite funny. Um, and it doesn't appear in the SPR proceedings and apparently there is a letter in the SPR archives uh, where McAllister is basically saying, please note the date of the 1st of April. Um, but poor Albert Edmonds, he goes into the librarian's office one day, McAllister's in there, and he goes, I can hear this strange sound. And can you hear it? And they can hear this sort of vibration. And they sort of go, what could it be? And, oh, Sternberg used to have a gong and he used to sound it to call the boys, so so that's what we can hear. And then Edmonds is like, oh, is, is this when, when um, Sternberg died? It's round about this time, isn't it? And he thinks it's all really fantastic because on the very hour of his death there's a phantasmal bell that's how he describes it which mm. i think is wonderful phantasmal bell um and yes yeah, so, and it, but yeah it's the first of of april um and so they, they try and find out when did sternberg die and and um they contact somebody who was down the road which is where trevor hall goes what kind of self-respecting librarians would go ask that they've got the information in the library why would they do that and to discredit uh, okay. it um and then, yes, yes, Sternberg did die on that time at this day. It didn't. Um, but then it's obviously all part of an old uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. joke. Um, Edmonds then says that bells rang around the library for some considerable time afterward and everybody heard them. Um, but nobody else mentions it. Mm. And Beckwith does ask former members of staff for their memories of the place and nobody brings up... <laughs> <laughs> his bells ringing so yeah it's an interesting one is that but Edmonds writes a book um, and he recounts a story in there and McAllister apparently signs it and says yes this is a, a true account uh, and so Trevor Hall is basically saying well how can McAllister say that that's a true account when it's clearly an April Fool's joke he's got this letter at the SPR archives mm. you know obviously we can't believe a thing that he says mm. but obviously that is a true account of what happened the fact that it was a practical joke do you know what i mean so yeah it's it's very tenuous the mm. way he does it but yeah that's one of the reasons why he basically discredits McAllister because how can we believe the word of somebody who who clearly is lying about that because that didn't happen it was not true so. yeah and what so what other than these kind of character assassinations what other material did uh, Trevor Hall gather in his well, he, pamphlet? He does, he does make it because he pulls all, the, all into a timeline so from the time Sternberg joins the library all the events things that are mentioned in the uh, minutes um, which is very handy when you're coming to look at it afterwards because it's all done for you he's got a copy of Sternberg's death certificate so we know that he didn't die in the library um, so this saying that they apparently did mm. after this April Fool's joke um, they they heard rappings and knockings and, he, and that's where they, they got this idea that he died in the library when he didn't he died at home um so it, and there's all sorts of snippets so from edmund's book because we i think we've got a copy but i don't think we've got the right edition because the article about his experiences only appears in a certain edition of it and i don't think we've got it okay it was one of the things i realized when i was looking at trevor hall's books he's often got books where the accounts might appear but he's got the wrong dates or he's not got the right edition mm. uh, sometimes the library itself has got the right edition uh, and others has not so yeah and um so yeah i guess this this uh, pamphlet was produced in the 50s but 
to this day there are still kind of people who who come to the library who are interested in the paranormal who are trying to kind of um because it it, you know it's it's a uh maybe not a super super well-known but a relatively well-known haunted building it is um yeah can you tell us a bit about the kind of the the people that kind of come and visit to this day the first team to come and investigate um was westchurch paranormal which is how i joined the team because i'd had my own experiences here and quite a few of other members of staff had had experiences here that we couldn't explain and and they came to investigate um because they'd heard about the ghost story so it does feature in some of the modern books haunting books about leads and often it'll appear on some of the lists of you know haunted locations in Leeds online as well so Mm. we're still out there and people know about us um but they came in and did investigation i said to them i want you to tell me that it's all in my head (laughs) um and that there's nothing here thank you very much um and they they didn't obviously didn't find anything to do with sternberg but they did get a recording in the new room uh and it's the sound of somebody basically doing this into a digital recorder which had been left on its own on the new room gallery yeah on that little lectern that's basically above the librarian's office yeah um and that's interesting um i mean you could say unless you had cctv which we didn't at that point yeah then somebody could have walked up to it and put that breath in there but they said they didn't i know the guys and i trust them but the new room galleries is some people feel like you followed when you're up there i don't because mm. i don't feel anything like that i quite i love it up on the gallery um some people have reported that we've got various members that are still interested in this and mm. um, sort of claim to be quite sensitive yeah uh, and they, they do sort of say that but we have heard sounds of coughs coming from up there um jane will tell you all about that one <laughs> um, she heard that one so yeah it just it, it's interesting to me because it just sort of ties in with experiences that other people have had yeah uh, even though it's super creepy that somebody just breathes into a, a recorder yeah um, well i think it's interesting whether or not you are you know believe in the paranormal or you've had an experience or not yeah. i think that there's definitely a sense in a library especially with all of these books a lot of and a lot of yeah. the historical ones are there are kind of you know they're quite rare or there's you know or yeah. or they're they're rare because they're actually quite boring and there aren't yes. that many copies because you know someone's just written a, a, a book on a really niche obscure topic but I I it's quite kind of a sense of um you know preserving those characters yeah. and those people and their work after after they've died yeah which kind of you know i think that's quite a nice link to to the idea of it being a haunted building and yeah kind of a positive way not even a creepy way well um, that's it I, I mean i've worked here 20 years and i used to be as i said really like oh i don't like this mm. and the more i've kind of done paranormal investigations the more i've come to the conclusion which i should have done anyway just because something might be paranormal why does it mean it's going to be scary yeah you know if all if somebody's going to hang around a library they're probably going to hang around here because they like reading books and they liked the place uh, not because they want to jump out and scare you yeah so it's, it's kind of like rationalizing that um because I, I had my own little theory yeah um, because i think if anything is round and about here i think it's a chap called bumby so um jane has seen a very tall figure mm-hmm. again outside the doors of this room and uh, she mistook it thought it was sarah and wondered why sarah didn't say hello back when she said good morning um sarah she, uh, is another member of staff yes, at the, the leeds library for those listening and um so she saw this tall figure um nicola who was a, another member of staff who's since left to go to norfolk she saw a figure down in the basement, so she effectively thinks she's seen a full, but what we call a full-bodied apparition, mm. um, which you know is a holy grail for a ghost hunter. So <laughs> why the heck haven't I seen one? Um, but yeah, I think it'd be him. Cause he worked here for I think it was nearly fifty years. He worked here a long time, and then when he retired, he came back as a volunteer. Uh. And there's a little mention in the newspaper how he considered the library like one of his favourite places, and the members were all yeah. his friends. And I just thought, well, what a lovely idea. So if anyone's going to haunt the place, why wouldn't it be somebody who clearly yeah. really loved the place? And um, he was a, a librarian here or, or just... He was, I think he was like a senior assistant. Okay. Um, I think you'd probably call him. 
Um, they had different job titles back then, but yeah, you'd yeah. probably call them a senior assistant. But you yeah. obviously worked here a long time, so you would have known quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, so. that's really nice. That's a really nice idea that actually it's um, it's someone who really has kind of poured a lot of their life into yeah. into this place that's kind of you know hanging around after they've died. But that that would like be that my one. theory, and I think it's a nice theory. It's a nice fluffy theory. I think isn't that it? it fits with the yeah. I think it fits with the Leeds Library um, yeah. more than I don't know why anyone would want to. <laughs> menacingly hang around yeah or jump out at people in the basement yeah oh did i tell you about my ghostly typewriting um incident in the basement so no so you know the typewriters that are dotted around the library Mm -hmm. so they used to be down in the basement and uh, again it was back i was in my early 20s um and still in my uh, i don't want to go to the basement phase but i'd gone down the basement stairs all brave gone through the door and I could hear the clacking of a typewriter. Mm. Um, and it's quite distinctive. If somebody's actually clacking, not just pressing the odd key, which mm. you might get if somebody was just playing around with it, but proper clacking. And I got through the door and I went, that's typewriter. And I went, who's using a typewriter? There's only me down here. And I turned around and came upstairs. And I didn't look and I didn't check, but I was scared. So, yeah. But that was just a weird incident for me because the only other people that could have gone down there were the cleaners who could go down the back stairs. Yeah. And like I said, if they'd have been messing around with the typewriters, they'd have probably just pressed the odd key. I can't mm. think they'd do it as if they were actually typing. Um, That's interesting that you, you kind of, um, yeah, straight away kind of ran away and were a bit spooked by it because I think, uh, you know, this obviously as it's, kind of become a, a more yeah. well-known story kind of yeah. you know it's almost ingrained in the, the fabric of the yeah. building at this point there I, I get the idea that there's kind of a sense of you know wishful thinking or, or people see what they want to see or, or people yes. are expecting it and looking out for things so you know there's there's a you know people probably have a tendency to um yeah see what they want to see maybe there's I mean I've been documenting um people's experiences and when you think about the length of time I've been here, yes, there's mm. been some interesting things, but when you list them over the years, it's not wall-to-wall action. Yeah. You know, if, if you came here and were expecting something spectacular, then you'd probably be quite disappointed. Um, but that's not to say that that night couldn't be the night, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so... And I, well, yeah, again, like we were saying, like uh, you know, ghosts don't have to necessarily be a, a menacing presence. No. Um, <laughs> well, one of the common things when you get teams investigating, and I had to tell Westchester Paranormal this, can you push a book off the shelf? Well, if we've got a librarian here, what self-respecting librarian is going to push a book off the shelf? <laughs> I'm like you get more. You've got more chance of getting them to tidy a shelf than you got push a book out. So, That's mm-hmm. very true. I was looking. <laughs> this is actually not um, to do with the ghost story at yeah. all. But I was looking at the um, accident log in oh, the yeah. kitchen the other day, and it's just the funniest thing I've ever seen because it's like, oh, there was one comment that was like paper cut in classic fiction or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny I'm some of those are probably mine yeah <laughs> now that's when it's like well, well you've had a little minor incident you're supposed to write it down because otherwise it doesn't look good if nothing ever happens yeah 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 um, but I sent a picture to my family I was like yeah guys just in case you didn't think I had a really dangerous job yeah <laughs> you know yeah fraught with fraught with terror absolutely those paper cuts are painful um and yeah, so I guess also the library has kind of a quite, um, well, I don't know if it's extensive or not, a, a collection anyway on, on folklore and the paranormal. Um, what kind of books can we or can members expect to find? Um, and do you know, can you tell us about the history of the collection or is it kind of un, undocumented still? It is. So we have quite a substantial little collection, so it's not huge, but it's it's a, I think it's a fairly decent collection um i need to do some more um research into it really because um i'll try not to go too far into the realms of labels and dates and things because I'll, I'll oh no i yeah, i love this stuff <laughs> <laughs> but there's so um for me the interesting thing would be when we acquired the books mm. just because a book might be published in the 1880s doesn't mean to say we acquired it in the 1880s and there's a number of ways we can figure out whether they were in the collection um and obviously round about the time that McAllister has his, his experiences we subscribe to the spr's journal um, mm. the society so there's a link there um 
but it's whether or not there's an interest because obviously our collections reflect the interests of the members mm. so who is interested um there's quite a large collection of books on folklore which i think is quite interesting because there's an article on sternberg um written by what's this chap's name jonathan roper mm-hmm. uh because we didn't have Sternberg's book in our collections mm. um, until we got it this year. Um, and in Roper's article, he hypothesises that we don't have it because Sternberg didn't think that it was a book worthy to be in the Leeds Library's collections because it's on folklore. Oh. And yet later on, we've got, I mean, there's so much on Scottish folklore. There's folklore, you know, worldwide. So yeah. we, we've got books on all, all of that. And I, I kind of find that interesting that sternberg there he is writing this book that's actually quite important really because yeah. early on yet he doesn't think that warrants you know is it so is his book on on yorkshire folklore specifically or is it more so sternberg's general? books on northamptonshire oh, okay because that's where he's from oh I um, see. so he's not sort of local he, he moved up here but yeah so that's what his book is, is yeah on. um but yeah it's so anyway shall i go back to the live so yeah, the, yeah, yeah. there's the last major um stock check was 1887 mm-hmm. so you'll find books stamped in blue on the title page of 1887 so you know anything that's in the library at that point was acquired before then um, and then some of them will have the original date labels mm-hmm. uh, accession labels stuck in the boards if the original boards are still there what's an accession label sorry i, I so the labels so Every single book had a label pasted into the board, so a bit like we still do now where we write down the accession number and the date it's acquired on the back of the title page, mm-hmm. they would stick a label on the board and the date that it was acquired by the library would be written on it. Mm. Uh, which because we don't have the accession information in the archive because that's lost, if a book has its original board with the original date in it, and because they didn't produce catalogues every year, mm. that's the only way that you can figure out when we acquired a book. Um, ah. So that way you could then go back and look who was a member at that time, who might have been interested. Yeah. Um, so the more information and the more... That's so interesting. That's such an um, an interesting part of the kind of the work that you do here, I guess, which doesn't maybe happen in a, a different kind of libraries, mm. ones that are just, you know, purely yeah. contemporary books, that is that actually you can trace people's interests and you can do yeah. that kind of historical digging librarians yeah. rabbit holes as you call exactly. them and you can kind of work out the story of the library on a, a much more kind of human level yes which is really nice it and is. actually i feel like that in a way that that ties into the whole idea of kind of you know like ghosts and and people's presences hanging yes. around like and their stories hanging around after they've died absolutely which I think it's really nice. I think that's quite perfect. It is. That's a really nice <laughs> way of tying it in, actually. Not thought about it like off, that. Just yeah. off the top of my head, I had not prepared that. It just came to me. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so are there, so have, are there any kind of um, events or anything coming up that um, people should be aware of? RE kind of ghostly happenings in the library? What sort of like, as in anniversaries and things like that? Yeah. Um, don't think so okay if people would like to kind of uh know more about the ghost story how would they be able to do that so well there's there's a very interesting talk done by myself (laughs) um which is on the asap um um youtube channel um that you can find which we'll probably put a link on. i'll link yeah, yeah i'll link that in the description um which sort of goes into it in a little bit more detail you can come and talk to me because I'll quite happily um, mm. tell you all about it. Um, and then we were in talks about running some paranormal nights for mm. the library. So West Yorkshire Paranormal doing it, which we might do next year. Yeah. It's obviously COVID had sort of stopped all the events and things like that. So we were originally in talks for doing sort of four uh, events yeah. for the library. So and then you could come along and find out about the ghost story and we can teach you how we would investigate yeah well so. i mean i guess without giving away too many spoilers yeah. how would you go about kind of investigating so well i think what we we were originally planning when we were looking at this we were going to do it in two ways so sort of looking at the sort of victorian style of investigating which mm-hmm. would fit in with the original ghost stories and give you a sort of sense of that but then also how we would do it now i mean we've got all sorts of bits of equipment that 
you see on these these paranormal shows some of which don't do anything mm. um but you buy them and and it's trial and error mm. um but sort of just to do it so you you know you might be there and you might hear a noise go track that noise down don't run away from it don't do an event fielding and scream and run. Mm. Um, work out what it is and if you can't work out what it is we still wouldn't say that's definitely paranormal yeah we'd say it's interesting yeah and um, because you can never you know one of the thing other things that you find doing this even if you had the best piece of evidence ever like the most fantastic somebody would debunk it and call yeah. you a fraud um, because it's it's kind of the very nature of it it sort of scientists don't really get behind it because mm. how do you quantify it mm. and then you've got the people who are very spiritual and everything's is ghostly um so yeah how do you i mean why do you think people are so drawn to the paranormal then um and continue to to be so even though it's, it's the question you know, it's most really, people are quite skeptical what yeah. happens when you die um and why do some people seemingly come back and haunt and others don't mm. because we're not full teeming of ghosts are we which you know if everybody came back and haunted would there be Walter wall ghosts everywhere mm. um but i mean ghosts and hauntings it's it's is it the interest in it is you know it's an ancient interest in it every people have been telling the stories yeah. around fires um but it, it really is to do i think with what happens after death and it's a natural thing isn't it to want to understand and one of the things that that one of uh, our team members always likes to ask if he's doing an evp session is you know what can you see mm. um no, no no nothing's ever replied to him yet he says he's <laughs> done this so many times and he's never got a response but what can you see what do we look like to you yeah uh and looking at it from that side that's really interesting i suppose there's that kind of there's that uh idea of um like unfinished business or yes. uh, you know unsolved mysteries or untold yeah. stories that is um uh, comes up quite yeah. a lot in you know kind of like media about kind of ghosts and haunting and stuff which i think is interesting but also i think it's interesting that that is um yeah that kind of investigation like you mm. finding these untold stories or, yeah. or you know people's interesting things about people's lives that would otherwise be forgotten is yeah. again that's kind of part of the work that you get to do here kind yeah. of digging up those those stories um these kind of yeah characters that have yeah. hung around <laughs> but interestingly i'll tell you what i've never done because some some of my friends that do this they would investigate where they work well, the, you know, so if I was down in the basement, so mm. I could maybe start asking some questions. Oh, is anybody here with me? Who are, who are you? Mm. You know, why are you here? Um, but I don't. And I'll mm. tell you why I don't. So even though I tell you I'm not scared or anything like that, I just think, well, if I struck up a dialogue and let's say, <laughs> in theory, um, whoever I was speaking to was like, oh, yeah, I really want to chat. Yeah. What do you do then? You you sort of started something you can't really finish, can you? Be a so... distraction. You'd be like, I've got to exactly. get some work Sorry, done. Sorry, I'm off a chat down down by myself in the basement. Um, I've actually got some cataloguing to do, so <laughs> not now. <laughs> yeah, so which I know sounds completely daft, um, but yeah. No, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. I also don't think that I would ever like to kind of have a dialogue with a, a you know a ghost that was where yes. I was, you know in my house or something. Well, yeah, I think yeah. it's one of the things you say you should never investigate your own work house. life separation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we actually went to to somebody's house because um, Westchester Paranormal do do client mm. visits, and they investigated their house and they had CCTV in their own house. They were taking recordings so like digital audio recordings all that and then spending mm. the following day listening to these recordings there was a complete obsession um, mm. going on which is quite rude um, yeah so do yeah. you ever i mean do you ever kind of check the the cctv when or i mean actually so the other day you, do you remember those that bookshelf kind of fell oh, yes. down was there kind of a thought in the back of your mind that that could have been uh a kind of ghostly thing or now there was something that i knew that the, those shelves i have to say so going down the those shelves the if you didn't use the right shelves because they were fit for oh, particular okay. ones so if they were a bit narrow they would fall down so yeah i was thinking logical explanation for that but it is interesting because i have i did once 
um, because our CCTV will will do that show you just where you've got movement mm. so you don't have to review the whole footage you can just skip back to where it looks like something's happened okay um and I thought about watching down in the basement yeah um, but that's as far as I've got <laughs> wow because that would be interesting wouldn't it yeah because it's it's um you know there it is recording away it could be all sorts of things going down there yeah and it's such an old building as well yeah. so I mean the the amount of years that that basement's kind of and it's all kind of joined up to the basements under the rest of this street is that right or so the basement as it is now wasn't always the library so the the various shops over the years would have had more of those basement areas okay. so we've slowly reclaimed it back as we've needed the space mm. so it's become that vast area that it is now so the original part of the library basement was where the boiler is mm -hmm. and that little um room opposite it was just that area there yeah um I mean, you think about the size that it is now it's quite yeah. a large extensive basement um so yeah but there is did i tell you about a little little room at the back of the periodical mobiles no so um down in the basement there's a periodical mobiles and i was down there one day and and i felt this breeze um and being the good investigator i thought what's the source of this breeze so i i went and found it and there's a little wooden um hatch at the back of the mobiles with yeah. some holes in it that's interesting anyway i couldn't open it because it was sort of um you know wood swells mm. anyway um bless you, paranormal. got one of the lads to open it mm. and i could i couldn't get in but you could stick your head in and have a look there's like a little fireplace at the back of there oh my oh, god it looks like a little fireplace area i mean it's full of crap yeah um, but there's 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 sort of broken glass and bits and pieces you can't get in there um but yeah because it kind of goes out under the street level yeah how long do you reckon that had been kind of sealed up for well they did as far as i know i think it was i'm sure it was the 90s that they did mm. that because there's the breeze block walls because there's a tank at the back of the boiler room area mm. that you can see that door and then there's a nice breeze block wall where this little area is and then where the periodical mobiles there's another nice breeze block wall so i'm assuming there's a little bit of a would have been something behind there as well mm. um, that's so interesting that's a, one of the good things about this building is that there's you know because it's so old and there's so many books in it yes that there's always kind of like more to discover there's always well, kind of you know I, say, I, I discovered that what year and a half ago yeah how long have I been here? <laughs> so yeah, so there's always something to find out, something new. Yeah, which is so nice. Um, and yeah, I guess that like ties into the yeah. the idea of people kind of putting all that you know so much of their kind of lives and yeah. work into this building. That yeah, I can totally understand how they you know people's presences would you know stick around for ages, whether that's just in in people's memories or or yeah. not. Because um, I think it's it's generally a happy place. Yeah, it's a happy place, and people seem to are comfortable here, and it's just yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I describe it as a big hug. Oh, that's what I think of the life. It's like a big hug when you yeah. come through the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. So um, I'll be I'll be haunting here next. <laughs> I can totally imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't lined those books up straight on the shelf. Ghostly do you wind. sometimes i mean do you ever if you are ever kind of you know straightening a book do you ever feel like a, a presence of an old librarian i'm i'm joking no but, well uh... interestingly <laughs> enough down in the basement uh, i was once shelving um in the fiction mobiles and i i don't, I don't often get this anymore i used to get it all the time and i was really scared down there but i don't often get it now and i just had that feeling of being being watched mm. and then all the hairs on on one arm went whoosh, yeah but not the other mm. uh, now that on its own means nothing yeah but just again i was like well that's a bit weird yeah because obviously in in terms of hauntings that's supposed to be like one of those but it wasn't i hadn't scared myself as it were i was just like because i was shelving yeah and I it just happened you know i didn't get scared anymore. ghost of librarians past. Um, yeah but i was just like well that's strange yeah is somebody stood next to me gosh I'm ne I, I always say this the more I hear about the basement the less I want to go down there <laughs> well just put it this way I'm fine down there now so. yeah and, and nothing ever terrible has ever happened yeah it's kind of fine yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, I mean, I guess as a as a final question to wrap it up, yeah. I kind of I want to ask how I don't know how likely do you think the or how I don't know do you think the ghost story is real? That's not how I want to ask it, but yeah. I guess I mean like yeah, how much how much credence would you give it? Um, do you think there is kind of a reason why it's it's stuck around for so long or um, are you a bit more sceptical? I think it's a great story, isn't it? I mm. mean, the idea of the librarian coming out with his gun and this sort of slightly shambling, scary figure is what he sees. It's a, it's a classic ghost story. Mm. Um, do I give it any credence? Well, Trevor Hall grudgingly sort of goes oh well McAllister must have had some kind of experience mm. and I think that's about all you can say it's a bit like when I'm sort of talking about my experiences and they're sort of the mm. odd thing that's only ever happened the once mm. which I'm quite convinced has happened um, which somebody listening to will probably go well that's a load of rubbish yeah um, so I think maybe McAllister did see something mm. um, whether it was Sternberg we'll never know yeah um, but yeah, I, I, I think having had my own experiences, I wouldn't like to say that that it's a whole load of rubbish. Yeah. I just don't think it's ever going to happen again, yeah. sadly. I mean, it'd be great if it did. <laughs> Although I'd really have no desire to run into the gents' toilet to give chairs, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, nor I, to be honest. No. <laughs> Leave that for some other, yes. some other kind of paranormal investigator. Absolutely. You go in there. <laughs> it's not the ghost, it's the toilet. <laughs> I'm hearing weird sounds. What could it be? Yes. Um, anyway, well, yeah. On that so, note. On that note, let's wrap it up there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anna. Um, and yeah, well, like we said, if you are interested in hearing more about the ghost story, uh, can't pop into the library and become Absolutely. a member. <laughs> and thank you very much for having me on. Wonderful. This has been a podcast from the Leeds Library. Links to more information about our guests and any works talked about can be found in the description. If you'd like to find out more about the Leeds Library and any of our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.theleedslibrary.org.uk or you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at the Leeds Library. Thank you for listening and keep your eyes and ears peeled for more tales from the Leeds Library in our future episodes released every Wednesday.